When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to another collaboration between the Home Field Podcast and the 10461 Podcast. I am Kyle Dabro, host of the Home Field Podcast. What's going on, everybody? I'm Kevin Valentin, host of the 10461 Podcast. Kyle, what we got going on today, bro? So today we're basically just going to go over the two championship matchups, um, the one in the AFC and the one in the NFC. So we'll first go over the AFC championship game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. Kansas City is the one seed. They have home field advantage in this game. Those are the two seed. So just to kind of give you guys a quick rundown from last week's games in their divisional round. So, Buffalo was able to beat Baltimore at home by the score of 17 to three. And then last week, Kansas city was able to win a relatively close game at home against the Cleveland Browns by the score of 22 to 27. As it stands right now, 22, 17, um, right? Did I say 22, 17? You said 22, 27. 22, 17. Thank you. So, Kev, let me just get like your initial, just your initial feel of the game. I'm not even asking you to just pick the game yet, but just your initial feel of this game as you see it right now. So in my honest opinion, this game along with the other one is going to be a a big toss up for me. Like this is, this is tough prior to Pat Mahomes getting injured in the game. Like this was going to be a, two of the strongest arms in football, if not the two strongest arms in football, two of the most powerful offenses in football, and then two above-average defenses with two great head coaches going at it shot for shot for a trip to the Super Bowl in Tampa. Like, I don't know. I can see this genuinely being a shootout just because of how dynamic both offenses are. I can see this being a blowout on one side if Buffalo's inexperience comes into play. Um, I don't necessarily see this being a blowout on Buffalo's side unless Patrick Mahomes is out. So that's mm-hmm. another thing that we'll dive into in a few moments. But this is this is a really tough one for any football fan, any football analytic enthusiast, however you want to word it. This is a very difficult one to pick. And unfortunately, I hate to like kind of put it all on one player, but it really depends on if Patrick Mahomes is available for Sunday's game. And I think, I mean, to your point, you mentioned the injury report. I have the injury report right here. I mean, as it stands right now, the only person that did not practice on Thursday was Le'Veon Bell. Other than that, you had Patrick Mahomes. He was limited today. Sammy Watkins was limited you had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He was limited as well. And then on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you got Bashad Breeland. He was limited. Actually, take back that Le'Veon was the only uh, did not practice. You had Willie Gay. He was also listed as did not participate either. So 
I mean, off of the injury report, they only have two players that are listed as did not participate in practice. But Mahomes, as of right now, is practicing. Obviously, he's still in concussion protocol after that hit that he took in the third quarter against Cleveland last week. I'm with you on this one. I I think the way that I kind of see this game, it is really indicative of one player, and that's Patrick Mahomes' availability. If he is not available in this game, it completely changes the dynamic of the game. And as far as I'm concerned, Buffalo's got a great opportunity to get to the Super Bowl if that's the case. Now, with that said, we don't know yet. He's still in concussion protocol. It is kind of at least somewhat, I guess, to the relief of KC fans to to see that he is actually practicing out there despite still being in the protocol. So that is probably something to kind of keep in mind and at least kind of have some sort of positive element to it with Mahomes' availability. But I'll say this, and this is going to be an interesting – this will be a very interesting topic to kind of like dive into if Mahomes is in play. If Mahomes is not able to go – this Sunday, I will say right now, the defense for Kansas City is going to have to have an amazing performance against Buffalo to keep it keep it close, because I just don't see Chad Henney at 34, 35 years, years old, however old he is, being able to go toe to toe with Josh Allen. I just think Josh Allen is just he's hitting his stride right now. I, I know he didn't really play that well last week against Baltimore, but I th- think that had more to do with the fact that it was windy and it really did kind of affect the passing game to a certain extent. However, with that said, I think the conditions in Kansas city are going to be a lot better than they were in Buffalo last week. So I definitely expect Josh Allen and that offense to be clicking against Casey's defense. Now with that said, Casey does have a pretty solid defense. They were able to shut down Baker and the Browns to only 17 points last week. So that is kind of something to, you know, at least kind of keep in mind moving forward here. But I think it's a I think it's a fair assumption at this point or a fair assessment that Josh Allen and that Buffalo offense, I think, is a lot more dynamic and has a little bit more explosiveness than what Baker and the Browns offense could do. They're different in their own ways. As far as I'm concerned, the Bills may run the ball five times in this game, five or six times. I mean, literally in the first quarter against Baltimore last week, they did not run the ball one single time. So. I think if if Casey is smart, they definitely try to at least make Buffalo go away from the pass and try to beat them with a run defense if Buffalo ends up running the ball. But I think even if that is the case, I just don't see Buffalo really running the ball that much this game. I just think the way that this offense has been going this year, it's been predominantly based on Josh Allen. And there are going to be points in time – in this game where I think Stephon Diggs is going to have good opportunities to get some big chunk plays. I'm talking 25, 30 yard plays. They were able to get that one against Baltimore last week. Actually, no, I take that bet. That was, um, they were playing against Indy. Indianapolis where they, where they hit up on that 40 yard touchdown. So even in the, the rougher conditions that they were playing in last week, Stephon Diggs still had six, seven catches for over a hundred yards. So, Stephon Diggs is definitely going to get his. They're just going to have to – the Kansas City's defense is going to have to find a good matchup and maybe have to vary the coverages a little bit to kind of throw up that that connection between Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs to a certain extent. So, exactly like you said, 
My issue, though, with Buffalo is they don't run the ball, right? Mm-hmm. Just like you said. If you are going to drop back and throw the ball 40 to 50 times, which is what? What's their head coach, Sean, Mc, Sean McDermott? Sean McDermott, yep. Yeah, Brian Dable's the offensive coordinator. If he's going to sit here and think that Kansas City in Arrowhead is going to let Josh Allen carve them up for 300-plus yards, they're smoking some good stuff out there in Buffalo. We're talking defending Super Bowl champions, Andy Reid, Steve Spagnola, a defensive coordinator, a very good coordinator, a Super Bowl champion. Mm -hmm. They're going to be prepared. Now, if Zach Moss... Uh, Devin Singletary and the rest of those boys are not ready. I think that is where no matter who plays at quarterback, Kansas City has the the edge. Their playbook is not as complicated as others think. I mean, a lot of them are just dips and hooks and comebacks for Travis Kelty over the middle of the field, slants for Tyree Kill, um, screen plays for Nicole Hardman and Sammy Watkins. It's not like the Buffalo offense where it's it's sling it and go home. The pe- the reason why Kansas City slings it is because they have the speed and they're just mm-hmm. blowing through coverages. They don't scheme yeah. very difficult. I think they can even dumb it down further for Chad Henney. They have three great backs in Williams, Bell, and Edwards Alaire, depending on the availability of the other two, where Kansas City can run the ball between the three of them for about a buck twenty-five, buck fifty. And I think that that will slow the clock down. And I think that Chad Henney is really going to have to. I'm I'm assuming based off of the hit, no matter how good he's doing in practice, I'm assuming Pat's not playing. That's that's my assumption. I have mm-hmm. to say that just because that man ain't know what way was left. He didn't know which way was up. I don't care how good you're practicing throughout the week. If you don't clear that protocol, you're not playing. So I'm again I'm assuming that this is gonna be all Chad Henney. If Chad Henney can just get in a small rhythm, run the football, and Kansas City's defense can just try to find a way to limit the pass and or rush Josh. Josh Allen is also a mobile quarterback. People forget that. I think that Kansas City wins this game regardless in terms of no matter who plays the quarterback position, but they have to make Buffalo run the football because if Buffalo goes and throws the ball 45 to 50 times against this Kansas City defense, you got the Honey Badger, you got Breland, Chris Jones tanking up the inside. That is no defense to sleep on. That is no defense to disrespect. You got Sorensen too. you really just you, you can't say that Kansas City's defense is a walkover. Is it the Indianapolis defense? Is it the the what's another top defense in the league? Wow, I'm really drawing a blank. Like we didn't just have a whole football season. Oh my god. Um, what do you think about this one? <laughs> a top defense in the league. I know the Saints had a, a an overall top defense. Um, I mean, the Ravens had a solid defense. Yeah, they were they were Ravens, good, Ravens had a solid they, Ravens had a decent defense. Mm-hmm. Um Buffalo's had a had a solid defense the entire year. Um Pittsburgh has a solid defense, but that was fell inflated. Off the, that, that was inflated. But they really they really fell off towards the end of the year. But yeah, and they lost Bud Dupree, so that makes a big difference. But nevertheless, without getting into it, I know Kansas City isn't up there, you know, like with the top five defenses in the league. But again, postseason time, they turned it on last week when they needed to. And I think that Kansas City can find a way to scrummage up a win if they can limit Josh. And I know that that's probably the stupidest thing to say because no defense has found a way to, a way to really slow him down. But mm-hmm. you're coming into Arrowhead. This is a chance to go to another Super Bowl. I don't know if Andy Reid lets them walk out of there without a, without a, a really rough 
rough game. I mean, I'll tell you this. There's gonna, there's two points that I really want to hit home before we end up making our predictions. The, the first thing that I, that I want to hit on is, is Kansas City going to be able to get a pass rush? It doesn't even necessarily have to get home to Josh Allen, like where they sack him like four or five times in the game. However, if they're able to get some pressure on Allen, force him to scramble, and maybe even get close enough to where he has to like just throw it away. Because late in the fourth quarter against the Browns last week, Chris Jones made some solid plays, not, not by sacking Baker Mayfield, just by disrupting his rhythm and just literally getting Baker off of his spot for about a half a second and then making him having Baker and then Baker maybe making some bad throw. Well, specifically in that last drive in the fourth quarter, it was really Chris Jones's pressure that got Kansas city out of that drive. And then it led to the, uh, the game winning drive that Chad Henney had the possession after. So I think if they're able to get a decent enough pass rush on Josh Allen, I think they'll be okay. The only thing is though, is that literally Josh Allen will go to both ends of the sideline. If he is rolling out of the pocket and he will utilize all of that space and he and he could throw it with about an inch, maybe a yard left of space before he hits the sideline. And then he can complete a really great pass. I remember one in particular when they were playing against Indianapolis. He's rolling to his right. He chucks it like 30, 40 yards downfield. This is like and the, Davis the was there on the, the sideline. And he yeah, and he did it. He got the uh, the toe tap in and then it led didn't they end up scoring a touchdown on that drive too? Yeah, so that's the thing that Kansas City is going to have to keep in mind is like, look, if you get him out, if you get him off his spot, that's one thing. But you have to pursue him. You have to give Josh Allen everything that he can handle to a certain extent because he can make those plays on the roll, kind of very similar to Patrick Mahomes. And then I know we really haven't talked about Kansas City to a, as far as the offensive side of the ball goes. But let me like, I need to hit this point. Like, if Chad Henney plays compared to Patrick Mahomes. I just don't see that offense generating a, a lot of – just a lot of points. I just don't have a lot of faith in Chad Henney. Now, Patrick Mahomes plays completely different situation. I think Kansas City has a far better chance and probably a much greater chance of winning this game than without him. So I'm of the mindset – I'm opposite of you. I'm assuming that he's going to play. I think he's going to be kind of like a game time, a game time decision. I think it's going to be really – they're going to go out into the field probably Sunday. He'll do his warm-ups. They'll do a walkthrough. And then they'll just kind of assess him before the game. And I think he'll end up clearing protocol. But it it it, it still is up in the air. I will give you that. And I think it is it is a fair assumption to say that right now as it stands, I would have my – I would hedge my bet on Chad Henney just a little bit because you don't know what Mahomes' availability is going to be. I'm just of the mindset that I think Mahomes is going to play. It's just – they haven't announced it yet. Obviously, we'll find out more as the days go on. But I think adding Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would be a great addition for this team. He's been out for a couple of weeks with that high ankle sprain. I think definitely that mix in the, the backfield that they have with him, Daryl uh, Williams. Now, if Le'Veon plays, even better. My bet is I don't think he plays. He hasn't practiced this all this week yet, so – I'm kind of hedging my bets that he doesn't play this week. I think he's going to be a scratch. But I think if you have Edwards Hilaire and then you got Daryl Williams, I think that's a nice one-two punch between the two of them. 
And if you have Mahomes in that situation, it just opens up the playbook as far as I'm concerned. You can do so much. It just the versatility that the offense has with Patrick Mahomes is a night and day difference than what Chad Henney has. Chad Henney 100%. runs a very limited offense and it doesn't really expand the playbook that what Andy Reid typically likes to do, that run and gun type of offense. Yeah. But that's really all, all that I have to say. Now let me let's get to the predictions here. So how do you see this game going? Who do you, do you pick for this game and why? If Chad plays, if Chad starts, I got this. It, it, it's hard to give a definitive prediction because, like I have done our last couple of episodes, it really hinders on positional play. If Chad plays decent but the defense stuns out, I think that they find a way to scrummage up a close one. If Chad turns the ball over and the you got to rely on the defense, I think Buffalo blows them off the doors. Um, now, if Mahomes plays, I think it's a shootout because you're literally just going shot for shot for shot for shot because we're talking two of the best arms in football going back and forth at it. The weather, like you said, is going to be pretty pretty simple. And I think it could end up coming down to the wire. So I'm just going to give a stupid prediction because normally I don't like to make this, but based off of Andy Reid, Based off of what I've seen from Kansas City this season, I'm going to safely go with Kansas City. Uh, I don't have a score. I don't have a prediction. I don't know by how much, but I'm just going blindly Kansas City. If I had to put my wallet on the table, I'm putting Kansas City. I'll break it down to you like this. It's very simple. If Chad Henney starts because Patrick Mahomes can't go, I think the Bills win this one by 10 points. If Patrick Mahomes plays... I think Kansas City wins by seven. That's how I kind of see it. I really think that this is like a 17. This is literally kind of like a three possession type swing that we're talking about here. Just because Mahomes is literally the oil to that offense. Without him, that offense is, I'm just going to flat out say it. I think it's pretty stagnant. Even when you have Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, McCall Hardman, Sammy Watkins, and then Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the back in the backfield. But you still need an orchestrator of the offense to get momentum going. And I just don't have a lot of faith in Chad Henney. Patrick Mahomes, completely different. I literally think that if Chad Henney plays, I think they might score 17 points. I think if Kansas if uh, Patrick Mahomes plays, I think Kansas City scores like 31, 34 points. That's how I see this. That's the, that's how big of a swing that we're that's how big of a swing that we're talking about here. Yeah. It's just, I mean, look when when the Chiefs were playing against the Browns last week, they were up what was it nineteen points? It was like twenty two like to three at halftime, yeah. and and honestly, it probably could have been even higher, just because I think Buck ended up missing a field goal and then an extra point, so they did leave some points on the board. If Mahomes stays in that game, I don't even think the Browns even have some sort of a comeback. I think. Mahomes puts up 35 on, on Cleveland and it's a blowout. So no, I agree the fact completely, he, but Chad only threw the ball eight times. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, the that, they did. But that one, the, there was one particular time that he threw it and it was just an, an awful interception. Again, so, no practice, no first team reps. The guy hasn't thrown a meeting snap in years. This is a whole week of practice. I, you're, I, you're, there's no way Andy Reid is going to leave him not prepared. I get it. Yeah, and that's true. It's just, it's execution though. And look, even Tyreek Hill, he had his frustrations with 
with Henny and the way that he executed in the game, because I remember that there was one play in particular where it looked like Tyreek Hill was running an in route and then he made a cut to the outside, but Chenny, uh, but Chad Henny ended up, I think, checking it down over the middle to Kelsey, I believe. And that was on third down. And Tyreek was mad because it was probably going to be a touchdown if Chad is looking his way. So I don't know if they're going to, I doubt that they're going to have those issues going into this week. Like you said, having those first team reps, I think is a big difference. But I'll tell you this, if you're Buffalo and you see Chad Henney on the field, you've got to be excited because that defense is going to be, yeah, that defense is going to be hunting after Chad Honey or Chad Henney, just because. He's going to look like some honey to the defense. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like literally, like it has got to be a huge confidence booster, like you said. And then with the trip to the Super Bowl on the line, those those boys are going to be, are going to try to feast on that Kansas city offense, because they know that, that they're limited, which had any compared to Patrick Mahomes. So the way that I see this, like I said, if Chad Henney plays, I see Buffalo winning this by about 10 points. So like 27, 17, but if Patrick Mahomes plays, I see it 34, 27, Kansas city. And I really do think it, it stems to that one fact of is Mahomes going to play? And literally, everybody's eyes have been been focused on him these last couple of days. Ever since he took that that hit against Cleveland, where basically he had no idea where he was, like he could barely, like he was stumbling, trying to get off that field last week against Cleveland. So it it's a really tricky situation right now, and we don't know what it's going to be. But we still have two, we still have two, three days before they end up playing. So a lot can change in that time, but. I think it really is indicative on whether or not that Patrick Mahomes plays or not, but it is, it, it's tough. It's a tough situation just because you, there's so many, there's just an unknown with Patrick right now. Yeah. That's really all I can say. Mark. Can, uh, side conversation, sidebar, you know, we tend to do these every couple of episodes. Can we talk about how bad Le'Veon Bell has played in Kansas city? The hype behind him signing there was immense and yeah. he has played subpar football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if he's like, look, I, I've been looking at this injury report. Now, granted, I have not been looking through Kansas City's injury report ever since he got there. It seems to me, though, like this knee has been an issue for him. It seems to me that he has probably been limited, very similar to what I, I'm not going to say, like what Drew Brees went through. Drew Brees had a litany of injuries. But yeah, we saw uh, you saw that report this week. A torn yeah, life, a torn what? Yeah, like he had a lot of injuries that he kept under wraps, and I it could be the same for Le'Veon here too. He could be dealing with just uh, just a litany of injuries that we don't know about. It wouldn't surprise me if Le'Veon ends up getting some sort of offseason knee surgery or some sort of like scope on his knee, just because it seems like this has been an issue. His his really his availability has been an issue with with Kansas City so far. So, yeah, and I remember when he first got signed there that it was a very big deal. People were basically on their rooftops basically just saying, Kansas City's instantly going to the Super Bowl. And yet, he has not really produced in any way whatsoever as far as any sort of significance. It's really been Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for the most part until he had that high ankle sprain. At the end of the regular which is season, when, which is when I thought Le'Veon was going to take the reins and say, "Now I don't want to split. This no. is going to be all me." It, I, I, and honestly, I think Daryl Williams is, is going to have somewhat of a decent impact in this game. 
I think if Chad Henney plays, they're definitely going to run the ball. And it won't just be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Daryl Williams is going to get some touches in this game. So do not count him out either. But, yeah, it's just with Le'Veon. I mean, he's only a few years removed from being arguably one of the best running backs in the league with Pittsburgh. And then he goes to New York, doesn't really do much there as far as anything, has done nothing. Now he's on arguably the best team or one of the best teams in the league. And they just haven't really been able to get him to produce in any significant way. And yeah. it, 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 it could be, it, it could just be him getting to the point where his body is just breaking down. He's not, I mean, he is not the youngest running back in the league right now. And it could just be age. It could just be age and attrition getting to him. It, it, very similar to what ha- is happening with Todd Gurley. I know Todd Gurley has, problems with our arthritis in his knees you could just kind of be seeing like the same thing from Le'Veon Bell it's just you know he's been he was ascending his whole time in Pittsburgh obviously probably plateaued when he was playing with Pittsburgh and then ever since it's just been a slow downhill trajectory for him and who knows I mean he he could retire in a year or two from now or he's gonna have to be he's gonna have to revert to maybe just like a second option for the running back position for any team that he's on, whether it's with Kansas City or another team down the road. Well, I mean, the future is still out with him, but we'll see. He was smart taking that year off to get that bag because New York gave him a, a shit ton of money. Yeah. He'll never get it again, and nope. he will never see anything upwards close to the salary he made, and or should I say the annual money he got yearly. No. He has been a shell of himself since he left Pittsburgh. Granted, New York's offense absolutely dumped their fire. Adam Gase wasted a year and a half of his career because they did not know what was going on there. And Kansas City's got the offense for it. I mean, man, that he wasn't going to get 25, 30 touches like he was in Pittsburgh, but he definitely has had some chances that he has not capitalized. So no, no, I do not know what's in store for his future, but I just thought I'd bring that up because usually when you when you used to say Le'Veon Bell on any report that wasn't an injury report, it was like, yo, I'm you know definitely leading towards the offense that's got this guy on it. That's not the yeah. case anymore. No, unlike, and- unlike the other game, because one team has a stud in their backfield. Yes, they do. And since you want to bring up that game, we will transition into the next game. And we will talk about the NFC Championship game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers. So kind of just to give you guys just a quick recap of where both teams stand and how they got here. So we'll start with the number one seed, Green Bay. They have home field advantage throughout the entire playoffs. And last week they were able to beat the Los Angeles Rams by the score of 32-18. to 18. And then the Bucs, the Bucs are the fifth seed, so they have the first wild card seed. They were able to beat the Washington football team the first round of the playoffs, and then they were playing against New Orleans last week. And by a lot, um, Tampa went on the road and upset New Orleans, winning by the score of 30-20. to 20. So kind of similar to what I asked with the AFC Championship game, not even asking for a prediction at this point. Just what is your overall feel of this game? What is, what's your opinion on where these two teams stand as it – currently looks like right now yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this game and i'm an afc guy mm-hmm. i want to see this game i don't i don't give even if pat plays i don't give a shit about the afc i want to see these two 
former MVPs, former Super Bowl champions, senior citizens in the NFL, some would say, go at it in Lambeau. This man, Tom Brady's played on the cold his whole career, so I ain't worried about it. They got two great run games. They have two solid defenses in terms of stopping the run. Tampa's played better in the past uh, this postseason, so I don't know what's going to happen there. But, man, I want to see Devontae Adams light it up, and I just want to see Tom Brady just continue to prove time ain't beating him anytime soon. The Mm -hmm. anticipation behind this game of can Tom go for seven? Is Aaron going to show Green Bay drafting? Jordan Love was a big mistake. Like, who's going to win? The, the, who's going to go to the Super Bowl? Is Aaron Rodgers going to dethrone uh, Patrick Mahomes for the MVP? I mean, there's, there's there's countless, countless, countless headlines in this game. The excitement behind this game to me is incredible. I predicted this matchup back in September, so I'm just beyond excited that it came true. I I, I couldn't I could I can't express my excitement more than I just did honestly because I'm, I'm just going to go off. So I mean, what 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 do you, what do you got? Hey, I'll tell you this: you look you sound like a kid in a candy shop right now, dude. I mean, I mean, look, th- th- this to me is the matchup of the weekend as far as I'm concerned. And I'm not going to discredit that matchup between Kansas City and Buffalo. If you got Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen going at it, I mean, you- you're talking about potentially the best quarterback, comp- really the best quarterback matchup in the AFC for the next decade to come potentially in the AFC between Mahomes and Josh Allen. With that said, though, I'll transition back to – the NFC championship game, this game to me, this is, I think what a lot of people have been waiting for a matchup between arguably the greatest talent that we've seen at the quarterback position with Aaron Rodgers versus basically the undisputed greatest of all time in Tom Brady. And granted, I think a lot of people wanted to see this in the Super Bowl, but we'll have to suffice with this being in the NFC championship so this game to me is just a really fun game to dive into just because there's, like you said, there's so many aspects of this game that you could literally point to and just dive into for 15, 20 minutes a piece. Like you could look at like what, what Tom's been able to do for Tampa. I mean, look, Tom Brady went from six Super Bowl championships with the Patriots goes down to Tampa with a completely new team, a completely new head coach, a new system, new players to get accustomed to. And yet he's in the same position that he's basically been in for the last decade with New England. It's just, it's absolutely incredible. And it's just a testament to his his ability to just galvanize the players around him to get them to play their absolute best. Now, when you look at the other team with Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, has been trying to get back to a Super Bowl for over a decade. It's been a decade since he won that Super Bowl against Pittsburgh in 2010. And now he's finally got his opportunity that he's been really, I guess, savoring for. Because now he does not have to play the NFC Championship game on the road. Because whether it was in San Francisco, whether it was in Atlanta, whether it was in Seattle, he was always on the road. And they were close to winning some of those games, I mean, some of the matchups that they had against Atlanta and San Francisco were absolute blowouts. But now it's on his turf, and now he's going up against the greatest quarterback that's ever played the game. And 
I'll tell you what, it is going to heighten both of their play to levels that we probably, we, we've always wanted to see, but now we actually get to see it in front of us. The only thing that I'm concerned of with this game is the weather. The weather is going to play a factor in this game. I looked at the forecast. It's going to be about 29, 30 degrees, and there's about a 50% chance of snow. So it is going to be football weather, but it may limit what we want to see from both of these quarterbacks. We're not going to see Brady and Aaron Rodgers throwing for 400 yards, you know, them putting up three or four touchdowns in this game. So it does really kind of put an emphasis on their really their their the entire team outside of just the quarterbacks. Aaron Jones, stud running back with Green Bay. In um you also have a solid backup in Jamal Williams. That's a nice one two uh that's a nice one two combo kid, between AJ the two. Dylan's of them. been coming out. True. And then on the other side, you got Ronald Jones. And he's been fighting kind of a quad injury the last few weeks, but he made a pretty solid impact for Tampa against New Orleans last week. And then you add Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette has really stepped up, even with Ronald Jones kind of being a little bit compromised due to his injury. Leonard Fournette has stepped up. It does kind of remind me of how he played against um, when he when the Jaguars were going through um, their run back in 2018 when they got to the AFC Championship. Leonard Fournette was an absolute beast in those playoffs. Now, he's not playing at the same level that what he was when he was with, with Jacksonville, but he's still extremely viable, and he's been a, he's been a, a huge, huge addition for this team, and he's really stepped up in these last few weeks. And then, I mean, dude, like the, the receiver matchup that we have here, I mean, you got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, A.B. We'll see about A.B. A.B. is kind of a question mark right now. You still got Gronk, you got Cameron Brait, and then on the other side, you got Devontae Adams, you got Robert Tunyon, you got Alan Lazard, who has really picked it up the, these last few weeks. He's really made a, a solid impact with Green Bay. I mean, and that's just on Scantley, the offense. Valdez, Scantley, it's pretty nice. Yeah, so, I mean, it, just from an offensive perspective, this game is going to look fun. I just don't know if it's going to actually materialize Be on the field fun, because yeah. of the weather then that's kind of the thing. But with that said, let me just ask you straight up. What is your prediction for this game? Who do you have winning this game and why? Okay, so I got Green Bay straight up. No if, ands, or buts, no outcome. Solely because best receiver in football is on that team. That Tampa Bay secondary, don't want to hear it. If Jalen Ramsey couldn't guard this man, Ain't nobody on Tampa going to guard him. You could put two people on him, he might still go up and get it. And I think that that double team is going to leave a lot of people open. And if you stack the box for that three-headed monster that's back there in that backfield, man coverage on Devontae Adams all day, so be it. Top-rated official, top-rated corner with, I forget his first name, but Alexander on Green Bay. Jair. Jair. Jair Alexander has played out of his fucking mind. And I think, I don't know, I don't remember the statistic, but it was like, the first time an NFL team had the best receiver and the best cornerback on, on the same team was, I don't even remember what it was, but it's like, it's like unheard of. Mm-hmm. Green Bay's and arguably the screen. best, and arguably the best quarterback. You, you like, I get it. Tom's been beating people. Tom's been upsetting people. Tom's been shocking the world. The running game has been great for Tampa. The, the run stop has been great for Tampa. I'm curious to see 
how Green Bay is going to combat that whole rush defense. But you you, you got to pick your poison. You lock up that run game, or you or you say, yo, lock up this man, Devontae Adams. It reminds me of the Ohio State game where it was like, what, what you going to do? Because Ohio State's three running backs is pretty fucking nice. And then Green Bay's running backs is nice, but they talent is Devontae Adams. So I got Green Bay going up. I got, I got Green Bay winning, especially at, since they home and it's going to snow. I got Green Bay winning by 10. I'm going to go out on Come on, here. tell me. Tell I'm me. Go out Come on, on tell me your boy's going. I, th- I think the Bucks win this one. <laughs> I think they win it by four. I think they win it like by like four points. It's going to be a fun game. But look, I think the last time that Brady played in Lambeau, I think it was in 2014. And I remember the, the one of the lasting images that I remember from that game, it was an absolutely great game, was Aaron Rodgers had a third down conversion to, to end the game. And all I remember was the camera on the sideline that was pointed at Brady was him just screaming, just everything that you could imagine. The dude was pissed that Rodgers got that that third down conversion because Brady definitely wanted to get one last crack to win the game on the road against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I don't know. I, that's probably not going to play any factor in this game whatsoever, but – a little bias look, up here, a little bias. A little there's bit. a there's a little there's a little bias. I mean, look, I mean, he's not on the team anymore. I still rock for I I rock the Patriots, but I gotta support my guy too. So, um, here's the thing. Let me let me just not get off. Let me talk something about other than just Brady. I think, look, Green Bay's gonna have to deal with this, this rush defense, and I think the one thing that they're probably going to at least try to do is focus on running the ball. Here's the thing. If the Saints had actually run the ball more with Alvin Kamara, they had, they would have had probably a better chance to win that game, but they kind of went away from the run game in the second half. And they kind of more relied on Drew Brees to throw the ball. I think if Green Bay is smart, they stick with the run game the entire time. Will they do that? I don't know. I don't know. It really kind of depends on the tempo of the game, but I do have faith in Tampa's run defense to not completely neutralize Green Bay's rushing attack, but slow it down. Slow it down to a certain extent. If if Aaron Jones is held to about 75 to 80 yards rushing throughout the entire course of the day, I think that's a win in Tampa's book. If he cracks anything over 100, I mean, Aaron Jones has the ability to get those big chunk plays. I remember he had one against the Rams last week where he ran for like 50, 60 yards and basically set up Green Bay to get a walk-in touchdown right after Tampa's going to have to eliminate those completely. If they're able to get him and slow him down to maybe like four or five yard carries and get them to focus more on Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball, it's it's a better way to go about it because I think if they just run it, if they run the ball really effectively, then Rodgers doesn't have to do that much. I do think that the Bucks defense, especially their secondary, they're going to have to do something about DeMonte. Now, Jalen Ramsey last week was able to slow him down to a certain extent. I thought I still thought Devontae had an overall pretty solid game going up against one of the best quarter, cornerbacks in the league. So when you look at Tampa's defense, what they were able to do to, to Michael Thomas last week, that's big. 
Michael Thomas is one of the best receivers in the league. He's getting paid $20 million, which is a premier price for one of the top receivers in the league. With that said, though, they're going to have their work cut out for Devontae. Devontae is going to give them problems, especially up in Green Bay, because that connection between Aaron Rodgers and Devontae up in Green Bay is just money. But I think if they're able to, to vary the coverages a little bit and give, give Devontae some bump-and-run coverage, they got a shot. If they play in that zone defense, then as far as I'm concerned, the Bucs are going to get cooked. But I think they, they got to be physical with those receivers, especially Devontae. So I think best case scenario for the Bucs is they got to make sure that Devontae doesn't beat them. If Robert Tanyan or if Alan Lazard or Marquez Valdez Scanling beat them, I think that's something that they'll live with. But they will not let the, they should not let Devontae just cook for like 10, 15 catches, 120, 150 yards. Because if, if that happens, the Bucs are going to get cooked. But now that I've talked more about the defense, the part that I'm going to focus on here is I think Brady is going to just do enough to get them past Green Bay. I, I think, look, if they have A.B. out there, now A.B.'s you know, health is kind of a question mark right now, but even without him, I think the connection that they're going to have between Mike Evans Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, Cameron Brate, and Rob Murkowski. That's a lot to deal with. Now, obviously, I think Jair Alexander is probably going to be matched up with Mike Evans. So Chris Godwin has got to step up. He cannot drop any more of these passes. He had that one, he had that one potential touchdown last week that he should have caught. And but and then he had his struggles Beautiful against Washington. Ball. Had four or five Beautiful ball. four or five drops. Chris Godwin. I think is the X factor here. I think Mike Evans is going to have a tough day against Jair Alexander. Chris Godwin is going to have to be a man. Literally, he has to be the man that kind of carries that wide receiving core because I think Mike Evans is going to have a tough day. And then Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, they have got to run the ball because they were able to do very well against New Orleans last week with running the ball between Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. It gives the defense a different look because – if Brady's just going to sit back there for 45, 50 times throwing the ball, it's just, the offense is just too one-dimensional. They've got to run the ball. I think they will. I think Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, if they're able to get some holes, I think that they – both of them together, you know, combined, I think they could get like 125, 150 yards rushing up there. But the Bucks have to commit to the run game. They did it against New Orleans last week, and it really helped them. And really, I thought Tampa Bay last week, their offensive – uh, strategy last week was very patient. I think it should be the same thing in this one. I think as long as the defense kind of keeps Aaron Rodgers somewhat limited or somewhat in check, obviously Aaron Rodgers is definitely going to get his, that Green Bay offense is definitely going to get their get points on the board. But if this is getting into like the, the fourth quarter and it's a back and forth game, I'm going to give the edge to Tom just a little bit. Now, that's how I see it. Would not surprise me any way, shape, or form if the Packers win and move on to the Super Bowl. I'm just going to be 100% honest about that. But I just think, like, I think of the possibility, the potential of literally Tampa hosting a Super Bowl the first year that Tom Brady shows up on the team 
and they could have and they could literally go to the Super Bowl the, the first year that they do that. I just think that would be insane to me. I know Tom has had his accomplishments. I know he is pretty much the undisputed goat. Depends on who you ask, but me thinking about that is just unbelievable to me. Like that, I, maybe outside of maybe Peyton going to Denver, but I don't even think Peyton went to the Super Bowl the first year that that he was on Denver. I think it was the second year. Uh, second, they, they, yeah, they, I yeah. think I think the first year he lost to you guys, or that was the that was no, the they lost to Baltimore. They lost to Baltimore. 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 That was the hail mary to Jacoby Jones. Yep. So, I, I think it's gonna be a great game. I think it's gonna be a very close game. And like I said, the we- I think the, so. The, the weather is going to play a factor. There's no doubt about that. I think it is going to limit Rodgers and Breeze to a certain extent. Brady, but if, if Brady has the ball, they're down by four. Two three minutes left in the game. I'm giving the edge to Tom. I think Tom gets it done. I think the Bucks get it done. I'm thinking this is going to be a really close game. I'm thinking like 27, 23, somewhere around there. It, it, it is going to be close. It, it could be 28, 24, some, somewhere around kind of like that score. I don't think this is going to be a game where both teams – I don't think any team's going to hit 30 points. I, I just I, – I don't think so. I think, no, I think, the, both, weather's gonna, I think the weather's going to keep them locked up. Yeah, that that's how I kind of see this. Um I think one thing that we do have to keep in mind, though, is AB's availability. He still, did, I, I don't believe he practiced um, yesterday, so he he's still out as far as I'm concerned. But I think he, he's still like a 50-50 shot. I think he's going to be a game time game time decision, and I think he ends up playing. It's going to be a lot for Green Bay's defense to cover if they got to deal with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and AB. So agreed. It's it, it's an exciting game. It's gonna be one like I said, it's gonna be one for the history books. I can't wait. Like I literally am like like you said, a kid in a candy store, the 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 headlines, the 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 narratives, all of it, everything behind this game is yo, you gotta watch this game. There's no excuse. Like I don't wanna hear yep. you got a bar mitzvah, I gotta go to church, like put that shit on hold, no disrespect to God. But just, yo, two of the goats are about to go head to head in the NFC Championship yep. for a trip to the Super Bowl. Yep, and it's 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 really kind of everybody everybody's been waiting for this matchup. Obviously, like I said, this would have been a matchup that we would have all loved to see in the Super Bowl. The NFC Championship is going to have to suffice for now, but I'm just as excited as you are. I'm not I'm not as giddy as you are. You, you get very you get very excited about this. I'm more kind of more reserved. I know you. I know but, you can appreciate it. Ah, you know what I'm exactly. saying? That's right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So <laughs> it's just this game is going to be fun. I can't wait to watch this game. Um, like I said, I'm going with the Bucks just because I got to support my guy Brady. I I think Brady's play is going to do just enough to get them past Green Bay. But like I said, would not surprise me any way, shape, or form if Green Bay wins this at home and goes to the Super Bowl. So that's kind of my. T- I'm going out on a limb. I'm being. I'm being honest here, being transparent. I'm going out on a limb. I'm. I'm picking with my heart, not my head. My heart is that's telling fine. me Tampa. My head is telling me Green Bay. I'm. Screw it. I'm going with my heart. It's just how I see it. Hey, 
But that's how it's got to be, man. Some of these predictions can't always be factual, numerical, statistical. Like, you just got to be like, Yo, screw it, man. I'm going with the gut decision, man. I want my boy to do it. I want my boy to win. I respect it. I do. I really do. And then, I mean, well, we might be on next week, and then you might be looking at me like, dude, why'd you make that pick? It's hey, we bet money. If we bet money, it'd be a whole different kind of story. You feel me? But that's not the case right now. So it's all good. I tell you what, though, I'm not putting any money on that freaking Chiefs and Bills game right now. No, I don't know what. Stupid. I don't know what. The only people that put money on that game are people that have money to lose. Yeah, you, you can find enough degenerates out there that are willing to bet on that game. Like I said, people that have money to lose because they don't care if they're broke. Yeah, enough. There'll be enough people to degen for that game for sure. Anyways, since we brought up practice, these Brooklyn Nets going to be running for a few days, boy. Oh, my God. Can we talk about last night's game? Or what, was it last night or two nights ago? It was, last night. it was last night's game. So can we talk about this man, Colin Sexton, out of the University of Alabama, dropping 42 on that three-headed monster's Freaking forehead last night, bro, in Cleveland. In Cleveland. Kyrie yeah. returned since 2017. They get upset in double OT to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Give, give me something, man, because I'm about to go off. I mean, I, to quote the uh, the famous Wobe on Twitter, and I believe that's – I think that's his name. Um, they saw $148 million burn up in smoke last night. In, in reference to the Nets having Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and James Harden out on the floor. Now, look, um, this is this is going to be this is going to be a experiment with the Nets, as far as I'm concerned, because the Nets have no defense whatsoever. The Net, any defense that they had went away in that trade. There's no defense on that team. They were running Jeff Green. They were running Jeff Green at the five last night. Jeff Green, I think, is like on his best day, six five, six six. Like, dude, like, who's gonna defend the rim? Who's gonna who's gonna get rebounds? Like, they don't have any depth. I think on their team they only have like eight or nine guys. They don't have that many players. They don't have a lot of reserves to kind of go to, and their tallest guy I think is KD or like DeAndre Jordan. Steve so Nash it's like looking at the edge of his bench like this. Yeah, Yo, you want look, to play? <laughs> but look, look, we have we have seen this type of play before. Houston ran this offense, ran this type of team just a few years ago. I think what is it? PJ Tucker was running the coach. five. I'm just like, My I just Dan don't Tony's see this. the assistant coach. That's all I'm gonna say. I mean, look, like what. That happened last night against the second worst offense in the league. Cleveland does not have that good of an offense. And if Colin Sexton can go out, drop 42, drop 20 consecutive points for Cleveland to end the game, almost kind of literally, literally like reminded me of like LeBron against Detroit in the Eastern Conference Finals. He went on like that type of run. Scored tw- the last 20 points for Cleveland. I mean, and that, was with Kyrie, and that was with Kyrie guarding him. So... And Colin was making his shots, and they were contested shots. Whether it was over, Kate, whether it was over Kyrie or KD, because they even switched KD on him in the second overtime. Jeff Green. Didn't matter. It didn't matter. Colin was cooking. I mean, the only thing I'll say about the Nets, um, as far as their offense goes, is they're going to put up points. They have to consistently put up 120 points a night. 
because they're going to give up at least 120. Because if you've got Cleveland going off and scoring, wait till they actually go up against a team that can actually score. We, whether it be like the Clippers, whether it be the 76ers, whether it be the Heat, I'll tell you what. If the Nets go up against the 76ers right now, it wouldn't surprise me if Joel Embiid drops 50 on them. Joel has been cooking this last week or so. With He's the like an MVP out. favorite. I forgot what magazine like, or what what label. He dropped like 40 and 15 the other day. I mean, my guy in Philly is cooking right now. Doc so, Rivers out here showing he a, he a you, big man you, coach. You, well, and that's the thing. It's like we all know that Joel Embiid has, has had his potential. It's just you see like moments where he really like lives up to it and then surpasses it. It's just whether it's like injuries, not being able to stay in shape, maybe a little bit of laziness. He's kind of always been just below his potential. But now with Doc Rivers running the show, now you get to see it. I would love to see that matchup of freaking Joel Embiid down low against the Nets. Joel will cook down there. And that's the thing that the Nets are going to have to really address over these next couple of weeks. Listen, we've talked about this previously. I, I think they need to trade Kyrie. I think they need to get some sort of depth on this team. Because right now, they can't run this team defensively. There, there's the Lakers would is, sweep them or 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 do a best of a gentleman sweep. The Lakers I, would put them right now. I, I think anybody out of the West would do fairly well against them just because they can't defend. They're gonna put up the Nets are gonna put up points. But if they don't figure out these defensive these defensive issues sooner rather than later, they're going to linger. And the questions are going to start to arise. It's like, yeah, you got James Harden, but look what you gave up in the process. You gave up pretty much your entire depth on your bench, and you were giving up some starters. So, I mean, look, having a three-headed monster is great. And literally, you have probably three of the top 10, top 15 players on the starting five, the offensive threat, the offensive capabilities of that team is just through the roof. But at what expense? You just lost to Cleveland last night, and they scored 140 some points. Like, and each of the three teams they played are under 500 in the mat. No, no, no. Two of the three: the Magic, the Bucks that they barely beat, and then the Cavs. Like they're they're scraping wins and scraping games like marginally. This defense is historically bad almost in a three-game stretch. It's terrible. Yeah, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they end up as, like, the worst defense we've ever seen. But if this is a system that they want to run, they're going to they're gonna score rip, 30 they, a pop. They, they, they're gonna, but the, here's the thing. It really reminds me of what Houston ran a couple years ago, and look where it got them. Got them close. Almost got them to the finals. But nope. nope. I, I, I got I to be honest. I got to be blunt. The second they hired Mike D'Antoni, I said this wasn't going to work. I That man offensively, for some odd reason, I don't understand how people love his system. Spread it out and keep shooting. Spread it out and keep shooting. Spread it out and keep shooting. Bro, every team you have been on has sucked. Like, the Knicks, poop. The Suns had their little run. They could never get over the hump. The, 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 The Rockets... They would get right, and they never could get over the hump. And then you go and change the system to have P.J. Tucker at 6'6", run the five. Bro, I don't know what you're smoking because Golden State is the only team in the entire world that has ever run a center that's smaller than 6'10 and win championships. 
Yeah. He's not going to be Steve Kerr. The system that he runs obviously does not work. A record setting, what, 27 or 28 straight NBA, uh, uh, 28 or 27 straight threes missed in a playoff game. Worst in history. And you kept encouraging it. We're going to find our stride. You heard him in timeouts. We're going to just keep shooting. We got open looks. We're going to knock them down. Once they start falling, they'll start falling again and again and again. Bro, stop shooting. That's their problem. They have three ISO players with a center that can't shoot free throws and Jeff Green, who's like 34. That is your five. If Kyrie got an off night, if KD got an off night, if Harden's turning the ball over, or if one wants the ball more than the other, they're screwed. They're screwed. To win games, realistically, Harden and um, KD are going to have to average 35. Kyrie's going to have to average like 25, 8, and 9. Like, I don't know. It's realistically, you gave up like 120 some points to the Magic. You gave up 123 points to the Bucks. You gave up 140 something to the damn Cleveland Cavaliers. I get it. Kyrie's first game back in, I don't know, two, three weeks. I yeah. don't want to hear it. The rest of the team has been there. Brooklyn's got to get it together and or ship this man Kyrie Irving off to another team and get some depth, like you said. Because if this keeps going throughout the entire season and teams start to see, well, KD's going to get his anyway. Well, James Katie's Harden's gonna, pretty much unguardable. Katie's already averaging 30. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to focus on us getting to the rim because they can't guard us. I'm just going to get a switch on KD. I'm going to get a switch on DeAndre Jordan or whoever's guarding down low. And I'm going to attack the basket, or I'm going to put up a shot over them. Like it, it, it's it's common sense basketball. They can't defend. I'm going to find holes. You're going to run the zone. I'm going to poke holes in the zone. It, Brooklyn offensively has the potential to be historic. Defensively, they have the potential to be just as historic. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, it's. I'll tell you this. I think with them moving forward, I think here's what it's, what's going to be very interesting to me. I think they're going to try to run James at the point. If James can run at the point, because look, because he had like 12 assists last night. James Harden had a triple-double last night. So I wonder if if they can find some sort of system where he's running the point. But it's it's going to be so weird because like Kyrie is usually like the primary ball handler. But it was weird seeing James being the facilitator, getting assists. I mean, I think he had like 12 or 13 assists last night. But Kyrie's so the- never been a pass-first point guard. That's always his thing. He is a scoring guard. A lot of people get the misconception of you play point guard, that means you get assists. No, 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 no. I, Kyrie's always been a, I'm going to get to the rim. Because here's the thing. I'm of the mindset that this team does not have enough depth to win a title. Nope. They just don't have it. And I think what they're going to try to do is try to experiment with this to see – where it could go, but I don't think Kyrie's going to be a part of this. I really don't. If they if they go this entire year keeping Kyrie on the team, and then they somehow get to the finals this year, that would be fantastic for them. I, good on them. I don't know if they're going to win the finals per se, but I just don't see this team getting to like getting and winning the finals because I just don't think they have enough depth. And the only player that they're going to move that is that is going to bring a decent amount of depth back is Kyrie. They're not going to change they're not going to trade James Harden. They just traded for him. I realistically think that this is not um sustainable. I just don't think that this is going to work in the long run. It may work in spurts. But I mean 
if they continue to lose games to anemic offensive teams like Cleveland or maybe something like Detroit, this team's in trouble. So here's what I'll say. Let this play out for a week or two, maybe even a month. I don't know when the trade deadline is. I don't know when it is. I don't know either. It's usually before the All-Star game, isn't it? Let them try some things. Let them see and experiment with some things to try to get some some matchups and maybe some some looks at different guys running different different schemes. But I just don't think for the long term, I don't think it's sustainable. It's just it's a it's little not bit feasible. Di- it's it's not realistic. It's a little bit different than what Houston had. I mean, it, it, the, the the system is very similar. The players are different. You got three amazing scores, but you need Hall of Fame type scores to make this system work. In Houston, they only had maybe one or two of that with Chris Paul for the two years that he was there, and then James Harden. Well, now you got three. Is that third guy going to make a difference? I don't know. The verdict is still kind of out on that. I'm not going to place my money on that though. I just don't have a lot of confidence in this team moving forward. That's why I've been of the mindset: trade Kyrie. If Kyrie's availability, especially if Kyrie's availability continues to be an issue and lingers throughout the season, they got to move him. Yeah, but you know what? Time. If that's the case, they will get a lot back for him. There's no doubt. But, I mean, Kyrie has been with the Nets for two years, a year, a year. Well, this is his second is season second. with them. So, you know, they, they may – they may wait this out. They may kind of see how this goes, and then they may address this situation in the offseason. But with this depth, with this roster, like you said, Katie's going to have to average 35, James is going to have to average 30, and Kyrie's going to have to average at least 25. Between those three guys, they have to score 100 points, at least 90. They have to score at least 90, and then hope to God that Joe Harris and Jeff Green score 30 points between the two of them, or at least 20. Yeah. I'm just not going to put feasible. my money on it. It's, it's, it's I, not realistic. But they could prove me wrong. They could go out there, and they could do what they need to do, and, and go out and prove me wrong. I just don't have a lot of confidence in it. And it would, it, it would, be, it would be a shock to me if they could get this system to work between the three of them. I just don't think that it's going to happen. I think it'll be enough to get – I don't think I, – I think it'll be enough to maybe get them out of the East, but I don't think it's going to be enough to win the finals. And honestly, if they can't address these issues defensively, they may not even get out of the East. Not with Boston playing as good as they've been getting, but I'm not even going to get into that. You know, it's kind of funny how the Lakers and the, the Celtics are the number one seeds in their respective conferences, two of the most historic, if not the two most historic franchises in history, leading the way again, one with – probably arguably the greatest of all time and then one with an up-and-coming superstar that is Jason Tatum but if Brooklyn doesn't pick this up I don't see I don't see them beating Boston no way and then you still gotta you gotta still you gotta deal with other teams you gotta deal with Miami you gotta deal with with Milwaukee obviously the, the records don't indicate how good they are right now but they will turn it up Milwaukee oh, when, when, when time will, matters the most Agreed. Yeah, the, but you know we can and, we can do another deep dive episode into the specifics of each team. You know, as the season progresses, it's just too early right now. Everybody's still kind of getting familiar. And COVID, what what, what team just got delayed three games? I I, I, I just was, saw. I something. thought it was Memphis. I thought it was Memphis. Yeah, Memphis. Like 
COVID is really hitting the NBA super, super, super hard. Like we talked about a week ago, a week or two ago. Um, yeah. We're not even talking about games just getting postponed. We're talking about like facilities getting shut down, people not practicing. Yeah. I've said this a hundred times, Dallas, we've lost our three or four best defenders for the last two weeks. And a number of teams have been short staffed. The NBA still hasn't even ruled if they're going to be able to expand the total amount of open roster spots. So I have no idea what's going to happen, but the season is really, really, really early. And to do a deep dive, we need to be at least 30, 40 games in. They'll get there. Yeah, I think at this will. point, I think at this point they've started the season and they are just going to, I don't think that they can do another four to five month pause like they did last year. I think they're just going to, they're going to manage and mitigate it as best as possible moving forward. There are obviously going to be games that are going to be postponed. They're going to be moved. I think, to be honest with you, they need to cancel the All-Star week, and they need to use that week to make up the games, to make up uh, postponed games. That's what I would do. And, and look, the players, are, the players might bitch and moan about it, but look, you're going to have to play some backs. You're going to have to play some back-to-backs. You're going to have to. And it's – look, I, I, I know that they don't like that, but look, Last last year, you got five months off. And when they restarted the season, you know, granted, you know, they had to play the playoffs and that took like two, two and a half months to get through. And then they started up again about two and a half months later. They've had enough ample time to rest. They had about seven and a half months off last year. So they, they've had time to heal and recover. But I think, like I, like I said, I'm not going to dive too much into this. They need to stay on track for next season. They cannot allow this season to get, to get interrupted. Um, well, actually, I could kind of actually take that back because they already canceled the 2021 uh, Tokyo Olympics this year. So they did. Does, they did. Yeah, they just they just canceled it. So you guys will probably when be was watching this? this. Yeah, you guys will probably be watching this tomorrow. But there, I remember I was on my laptop about maybe two, three hours before we started the recording. And one of the pop-ups came up saying that the, uh, the 2021 Olympics are off. So they have canceled the Olympics. Wow. What source was this? I didn't see this anywhere all day today. It, it was, um, I have like little news, uh, I guess like little news blurbs that pop up in like the right, the right bottom corner of my laptop. And it was one of the, uh, one of the, one of the news stories that popped up. So they, they are, trying to push it back to i think like 2032 for for tokyo they're going to have the 2024 olympics but i think they're going to try to get it in tokyo again um early in the 2030s that was that was just the little bit of information that i read so mm. i think but yeah, to we'll, get this back we'll on to- but to get the, but to get this back on topic with with the nba i think at this point though it is it's a positive if the nba can get through the season and finish the season on time or at least try to get it on time as quickly as, as best as possible. If they can try to get these finals wrapped up by July, early July, that at least puts them on track to start the season on time next year. And I yeah. think that's the most important thing that they have to focus on. And look, they're going to have to bring fans in back. They're going to have to bring fans back into the stands next season. They're going to have to. You cannot go two and a half seasons. You cannot go two seasons where you're not bringing in any fans. There's just the, there's just the revenue is it just plays too big of an impact at that point. You have to get some sort of revenue from, from you can get it from Jersey sales. You can get them from season tickets, but you're going to have to bring fans back into the stands at some point. 
you just have to accept the fact that COVID is just here. The vaccine will be out. The vaccine's out. There will be more of it available by the beginning of the next season. And I think people are just going to have to get comfortable. It was like, look, COVID is just going to be a part of just a regular flu season. That's just kind of how it is. That's just how it's going to end up being in the next probably year or so. People are going to have to get comfortable with this. I know that people are very, very hesitant about doing things the way that we used to before COVID. But it cannot be, we cannot continue to live kind of like in this like one foot in, one foot out. It's either you go all the way and you lock everything down, which I think is just a terrible idea, or you kind of just do the best to mitigate it as time goes on. We're in that stage where we're still balancing it. But I think really as time goes forward and the vaccine is more readily available, you're going to have to let fans back in the stands. It's just, you're going to have to. Because look, I mean, player salaries are going to be affected by this. So the overall revenue for the league is, is affected by this. So I think at this point, get through the season as best as you can. Try to get on track for next season. That's it. Fair enough. Um, I believe that's everything we have. Uh, I don't know if we have anything else to talk about. I know I don't. You got anything to say? I got, well, actually, I got one thing to say. Go ahead. So I know you mentioned it on your episode prior to this episode. I mentioned it on my podcast yesterday. Uh, for those of you that have not listened to either one, which if you haven't, I got some choice words for you privately, but <laughs> the two of us are thinking about collaborating officially, combining our podcast as one. Uh, we haven't really mm-hmm. come up with the fine details. We haven't officially come up with a name. We have some ideas. Uh, for those of you that are curious and do listen to us on the regular uh, for Kyle's YouTube page, if you want to drop some ideas on some names, if you want to drop some comments on what you think about the idea of collaborating permanently and joining our podcast as one, we'd be more than open to listen. We'd be more than open to hear. Uh, but we have a lot planned for the future within the next couple of months. We do have a lot of things we are planning. The two of us are willing, or not willing, are looking to meet up in the next couple of months to try to figure out a schedule and really figure out the uh, the kinks and fine tune it. But uh, we are excited to announce that 2021 will be the start of our combined podcast and we could not be happier about it. I know I can't be, Kyle, you got anything to say about it? I mean, I'm not, I really can't add too much more than that. I'm just, I'm really excited with where, really these collaborations have gone between you and I. I mean, this even goes back before we even started doing the podcast. We have always had really good one-on-one sport conversations, whether it was through here or when we were back at FGCU. We always had solid sports conversations. And I think at this point, it just seemed like an inevitable fact that we were going to probably combine both of the podcasts together. And I, and I think to a certain extent, I think, we, we, we've, we've even talked about this um, off the air or just when we don't record. I just, I think the, I think the audience likes the back and forth that we have, the like, likes the dialogue, likes the, the conversations that we have. I think really kind of like the back and forth nature that we have, I think is, I think it's good for the audience. I think the, the, the audience, it definitely is entertained by what we do. Now, Obviously, like you said, we, we have to still iron out some details and really kind of iron out like the, the structure of like how we're going to do um, our podcast on a weekly basis. So, you know, we, we've had some ideas. We're still trying to figure out what we would do. And then obviously, once we start it, you know, it's going to be kind of like we'll kind of figure things out as we go. But then once we kind of develop a, a, a consistent routine and then basically after that point, all we got to do is just fine tune certain things. But no, 
you guys will definitely get top-notch content. You know, and obviously we try to do the best that we can to get you guys the content that we can provide you. And as we combine these podcasts together, we don't officially have a date yet when we're actually going to do that. But understand that when we combine both of these podcasts together, that the content that we will give you guys will be the best that we can offer to you guys. Give us a little bit of patience, but after some time has passed, probably by the end of 2021, hopefully we will get the best content we will get to you guys out there. That's just kind of my hope. I'm pretty sure you're on the same page as well. Um, that's pretty much all I got. You can have the uh, the final word on on this uh, this venture that we're going to go on. Hey, man, like I've said multiple times, since I had you on my podcast for the first time, since you had me on yours and you started yours, it's I'm not going to continue to repeat it, but it's like the two of us since college, since we've met, have had that friendship, that connection of our banter, sports aside, our relationship outside of sports has always been hysterical. Like whether that's us just talking about life, us talking about girls, us talking about whatever. It's always been an interesting back and forth dialogue. I feel like we can maximize this platform's potential with great Mm -hmm. content weekly, with great conversation, uh, with featured guests, with using different social media platforms. We've talked about Twitch. We've talked about myself expanding into the YouTube realm. We've talked about a lot of other things. And if we can just combine these two already incredible formats of work into one have a set schedule for making sure we have the best available content with whatever's going on mm-hmm. dude our, our our potential is limitless and i i can't be excited anymore because i already love what i do and i know you love doing this too so i mean mm-hmm. two people that are passionate about sports two two really really good friends two best friends that just that love shooting the shit as it is freely talking about sports on the regular to do this for a living potentially I don't really see anything better, man. So I, I can't wait. 2021 is going to be a great year. I feel it. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't really say it any better than that. Um, I mean, with that said, you guys, I'm pretty much just going to wrap it up here. Um, from my end, I want to appreciate uh, Kev taking the time to join us again on another collaboration. I'm pretty sure you feel the same as well. Yeah, absolutely. Any 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 combination, any guest featured on the one of four six and one podcast is always appreciated. So, you know, with that being said, guys, we uh, we hope you have a great night and uh, enjoy them games over the weekend. Yeah, for sure. Definitely stay tuned, you guys. And all of this content will be added to uh, my YouTube page at the Home Field uh, Podcast page. It'll be up on anywhere that you listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, you know, all all that bullshit. So, um, other than that. That's all I got from here, you guys, and um, hope you guys have a great night and enjoy the uh, the AFC and NFC Championship games that are coming up this weekend. Peace out, you guys. Later, guys. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that this chair? No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. 
Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric Air.